1: Check out Point Game with John Wall and C.J. Toledano on the
2: iHeartRadio app, DraftKings YouTube, or wherever you get your podcasts. Take your business further with the smart and flexible American Express Business Gold Card. It's packed with benefits to help unlock more value from your business purchases. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Learn more at AmericanExpress.com slash Business Gold Card. AT&T connects an ode to podcasts. Connect the alarm. Change the podcast you stream.
0: A production of The Black Effect and Our Heart Radio in partnership with Showtime.
3: Welcome back to another edition of All the Smoke out here in Atlanta. Jack, what's good? My brother, what's good? Had a How very special guest today, man. Hey, be careful only. how
4: you throw very special out there. Legendary. Uh, you say legendary. legendary. Be careful with that word, Award two. winning. Emmy award winning. <laughs> yes. One of the, one of the yes. most
3: respected voices in our <laughs> one space. One of the blueprints. Yes. Someone we look up to and admire, uh, Ernie Johnson, man. Thank you for making some time today. We know we're in the midst of the playoffs.
4: Man, it's my pleasure, man. So appreciate I appreciate it. When I got the email, I was yes. like, yeah, I'm definitely, definitely making the time for Absolutely, that.
3: Absolutely, man. Well, thank you. Let's jump right into it, man. We are in Atlanta. The Atlanta Hawks have ac- exceeded all expectations. What has the energy been like around here, and what has it been like covering this young, exciting team?
4: It's a story, man. This weekend, there's no telling what's going to be going, <laughs> <on>, what it's <laughs> going to be like on Sunday um, and Saturday, leading up to Sunday right. in game three, and then, and then Tuesday with game four. So, man, the fact that they won that first one in Milwaukee and have done it every series so far, go on the road, and you guys know. I mean, it's. It's not easy to do. Start a playoff series on the road and, you know, beat somebody on their floor.
0: What a young team.
4: Yeah, yeah. And you look at all these guys who, who it's their first taste of it. Maybe they don't know any better. Right. Maybe they don't know they're not supposed to do But that. that's what we're trying to figure out. Like, what has
3: it been of late? Because it's not only Atlanta's young core, but it's Phoenix's young core. And there's other young cores that, you know, normally the, 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 the narrative of, you know, young players in the playoffs, uh, like there hasn't been any of that this year. Do, what What can you contribute that to? Maybe a big games leading up to their NBA career
4: or just? Yeah, I mean, it's just, it's just tough to figure because, I mean, just look at Atlanta. So you're the five seed, you gotta open up in New York and everybody's talking about, oh, look what Tibbs has here, look at, look at Julius Randle, look at this, is gonna be very, you know, it's gonna to be tough series. And then they take care of that in five. And then you say, okay, okay, this will be different now with Philly because Philly has been close to right. getting to where they wanna be. And there's all this, you know, just happy to be here. This is what the Hawks should be. Now it's house money. now it's, you know, it's a swing, right. you know, it's a free swing and that's, I I guess some of that is Nate's influence, Nate McMillan's influence, Um, and that's what you have to rely on because, you know, you look at who's been there. Okay, Lou's been in a lot of playoff games. Mm -hmm. Capella's been in playoff games. Tony Snell's been in playoff games, but there's, you know, there's not one of these voices, you know, of a guy who's been, way deep in the playoffs and knows exactly what it takes to get to this level that they can tune into so i think it's i think nate's influence has been great and you know his i'm I'm reading what he says after these games and it's like look everybody in the nba has got talent every every team's got talent he said but when you got a team that cares for each other and plays for each other and plays the right way there's no telling where you can go with it Mm -hmm. and Man, they've been showing me something, and but you know, look, I'm talking to two players here. You guys know a player's mindset a lot better than I do. But when you're in there for the first time, and it doesn't look like it, right? I mean, where's around. where does that where does that come from? Right. And it's it's not like not only have we not been here, it's like we're gonna relish being here, right. and we're not gonna be satisfied with just making it. Right. You know, so. Oh, it's been a fun story to watch, man.
0: Yeah, Nate, Nate Nate was tough-minded, so if you know anything about Nate McMillan, how he played the game, you know this team is playing just like him as a player because he was he was one of a great defender, real tough-minded guy, and uh, I think that's I think that's kind of transferring over to those young guys.
4: Yeah, you know what's crazy too, when you look at the Hawks, and they do all this on the road, and most of Trey's big games have come on the road. On the road, mm-hmm. this is a team that last year when they didn't you know they didn't even go to the bubble. Mm-hmm. They won six games on the road last year. Yeah, wow. they've won six games, games in the in playoffs, playoffs right. on the road. I mean, you talk crazy. about a transformation, man. That's that's when nuts.
0: other teams can't get can buy a game on the road. <laughs> <laughs>
4: exactly right. Exactly right.
0: What are your thoughts about the Hawks and the young core leading by Trey Young and John Collins? Like, every we I mean, we definitely surprised with everything they're doing. But these two telling, two young guys are really leading this team and making a name for themselves. What do you think about those two guys?
4: I think. For the majority of the of the basketball public, Yeah, you know, the diehards all know Trey John Collins. Okay, right. the fringe guys, you know the people who watch casuals. Every, yeah, the casuals who may just tune in. Oh, it's playoff time. Right, right. And Kenny, like the other night, part of our show, and I, I will get around to answering your question. It's just that <laughs> I'm really long-winded. <laughs>
3: yeah.
4: Part of our show is like we realize that they're going to be eyeballs on the set that maybe haven't been there. Right. So our producer, Jeremy Levin, the other day says, we're gonna have a little Meet the Bucks and Meet the Hawks starting five kind of a thing. He said, we're just a little, little bio page on each guy. So we cranked this thing out, and we did the Bucks first, and Kenny is just killing us. Why are we doing this? You think we don't know who the Greek freak is? You think we don't know who Chris Middleton has I said. We're not doing this show for you. Right. We're doing this show for the fans right. who are watching and may not know. And right. so then when you then when you get to the Kevin Herders of the world, mm-hmm. and Shaq says, "I never gonna, and I'm never going to call another man Red Velvet," you know, <laughs> it's like he would rather call him Opie. And so um, I think I think at that point, you know, we're introducing some players to the world, the public, and Absolutely. and there's a guy like John Collins who is. Man, he's, he's got this greyhound kind of a body, man. I mean, he's, mm-hmm. he's built strong. strong, jump out of the gym. He even told us the other day, you know, when we had him on the game uh, on the post game show and he said something about, you know, you know, I have some freakish, you know, athleticism, too. Yeah, he, say <laughs> that. Yeah, yeah, he does. Yeah, yeah. And he does. But you're, you're looking at guys like this who, um, you know, not just talking about it, they're being about it. So yeah. you need a double double and you need a corner three. Late in a gotcha. game on the other guy's floor. Yeah. I mean, John Collins was huge. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, they've just they've got this good young mix. And while everybody's heard of Trey, uh, it's the Kevin Herders, it's mm-hmm. the John Collins, it's the Bogdan Bogdanovich, mm-hmm. uh, those guys who are who are getting it done. And, and everybody, you know, you kind of sleep on Clint Capella, mm-hmm. but he mm-hmm. has 19 rebounds and he has two offensive boards in the fourth quarter. They and put uh, back at the end. Yeah, exactly. Mm-hmm. No. And Gallo coming and playing yeah. his old, old game. No, no, yeah. you're right. You're right, mm-hmm. Matt. I mean, these they got these pieces, and it's it, it's not knock-your-socks-off kind of personnel when you look at it and say, well, let's look at uh, mm-hmm. who Brooklyn has, boom, 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 boom. Right. And mm-hmm. Atlanta has, but when you're playing together and you're playing for each other and you're yeah. playing the right way. Ain't no telling <laughs> yeah. Good things happen.
3: Born in Milwaukee, you've been in Atlanta uh, since a youngster, so what is this kind of matchup kind of meant to you personally, being someone from Milwaukee and then obviously residing in Atlanta?
4: Yeah, you know, it's, that is what it is. Uh No, it's not a big deal. I had no control over any of those things, you know? I had no control over where I was born, I had no control over where we moved. You know, know, I was born in Milwaukee, my dad was a ball player, a baseball player, and so he played for the Milwaukee Braves, and then when, when the Braves moved to Atlanta, it's like here we go. When I'm eight or nine, I'm not saying no, Dad, I'm not going. You know, I it's better. like I'm going down there. But it is—it's an interesting kind of a deal. And um, I'll always have this place in my heart for Milwaukee. When we were there for the Eastern Conference Finals two years ago, it was awesome. Mm-hmm. People were so nice. We went back to my old neighborhood. We had a we had a cookout in the front yard of my old house. Really? Yeah. The, with, the the with the people na- who lived there? Or uh, uh, the, the other people who who have m- moved into the house I used to uh-huh. live in, have always been so accommodating. Like, yeah. I'd go up there for the PGA Championship, you know, when we were uh-huh. calling that, and I'd swing by the house, oh, come on in, go, you know, look at your old room. Yeah, and, and, I love and, it. And, and those things, those are crazy. But yeah, that night, and it was a beautiful spring night, and everybody comes out of their house, everybody's milling around, Shaq comes by, Chuck, oh, the Chuck's dope. there, it was, it was awesome, and so, um, yeah, it's just a, it's a uh, kind of a unique thing. Certainly, something we haven't seen in a while in the mm-hmm. league, having Atlanta and Milwaukee matched up. But happy for the city of Atlanta too. Again, yeah, having lived here as long as I have, and seeing a lot of different regimes, yeah. uh, and and knowing that, you know, like when Mike Fratello had this team, and you remember those, you remember yeah. those mm-hmm. teams with Doc, and mm-hmm. Doc and Neek and Randy mm-hmm. Whitman, Antoine Carr, John Battle, yeah. you know, um, and that was a hot ticket. And it's good to see. A hot ticket back for yeah, a, a yeah, lot Hawks man, basketball. Energy, that's
0: absolutely. for sure. Aside from the Hawks, what players and teams have you been impressed with in the playoffs this year?
4: Hmm, Mary, how do you, I guess you got to start Phoenix, don't yeah. you? Yeah. I mean, uh, Devin Booker. Um, again, to watch Devin Booker, watch Trey Young act like they've, you know, I, and I always make a note before a series starts and I look at, you know, how many playoff games you've been in, you know? And these playoffs start, and you got a zero next to Book's yeah. name, and you got a zero next to Trey's name. Booker's been Booker's been tremendous. Again, that's another one of those teams. You know, Monty Williams has done such a great job, Absolutely. and 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 they are fun to watch. Chris Paul is amazing. You know, uh, just his um, again. And you guys could speak to this. I, I I hate to preface every answer with you guys could speak to this better than I can, but it's true. But just the intangibles that he brings just the confidence that he instills the leading by example you know of here's how the game's played watch me you know i'm not going to preach to you how to do it right but watch mm-hmm. and and so you know that's a team that plays both ends of the floor. Mikel Bridges, one of the best defensive players out yeah. there. Aiton's play, you know, mm. playing Aiden's out of his mind. Yeah. Aiton's coming to his own. I think he
3: took that AD matchup in the first round. Personally, he's been riding Oh, sure since did. then.
4: Yeah, no doubt. Mm-hmm. From that first game. Yeah. I think that first game Set of his tone. playoff career was huge. Yeah. The if he'd gone out there and AD had just eaten his lunch, it might have been, maybe the I'm not ready for this. Yeah. Probably
3: not even here at this point, if yep. that's what happened. Yeah, you know instead,
4: after that game, I mean? everybody's talking been... about, well, look who outplayed Anthony Davis. Mm, this kid, DeAndre so, yeah, I think they've been impressive. I think, you know, shoot, Paul George has had a great postseason. Yes. Um, trying to, especially when you lose Kawhi. Yeah, he's you he know, stepped up.
3: Yeah. I think yeah. he takes a lot of unfair heat, unfortunately. He's like someone that people just love to hate on for some reason. You might have got to think everyone was loving him and, and felt bad for him when he hurt himself, and then he kind of got himself back to old PG, and then he's just, for some reason, the guy that people love to attack, and I love that he's been able to first and foremost, address the mental and psychological toll it took on him in the bubble last year and coming at it. But we had him on the show before the season started. He just said, you know, I'm locked in this year and I'm back to myself. And I've been able to love to see that. Obviously, there's some ups and downs, but uh, for overall, he's been playing great.
4: And and I think part of that whole thing, too, is, you know, you, you get this Twitter beef and stuff like that. And yeah. you know, something happens and somebody fires at you and then you return fire. and then And then all of a sudden it's like, Hold it, how did this become the story over right. this? And right. so that whole narrative is playing out. But yeah, he's he's been he's been great. Um, and you know, on the Milwaukee side, you know, it's it's like here's your opportunity. You know, two years ago you had it you had a chance to go to the finals yep. and you didn't get it done. And now, you know, obviously everybody knows a freak and but I think Drew Holiday's been great. I don't you know, tell it PJ having PJ having that series. Where he just bird dogging yep. Kevin Durant, mm-hmm. world school world, defense, and talking to his mom, yeah. you know, and, and that, that was one of the cool things to me. <laughs> right, was game seven. Yeah, I mean and they're it's brothers. Like, it's like a, yeah, it's like a yeah. one point game. It's game seven, third quarter. And here he is talking to Wanda, you know, and love you <laughs> right. too, you know. Right. So, uh, no, there as as in every playoffs every year, there there are great stories, there are great moments that you just you're glad to be a part of and. Uh, and then to watch, you know, I can't wait to see what happens in this Atlanta-Milwaukee game as we speak here on this Atlanta-Milwaukee game on Game Two, um, because part of you thinks, well, maybe well, let's see if the Hawks are satisfied with getting that first one, and now let's get back to our place. Or again, if, if that just doesn't even enter the yeah. equation.
3: Well, like you said, they're young, and sometimes those young teams don't know no better. Yeah, like, we're supposed. Yeah, fuck yeah. it, we're in Milwaukee. We're coming to win. Period.
4: Exactly right. So, you know what's funny, too, about the Bucs? This year, I'm trying to make sure my numbers are right, because I've been, but they have 33 games this year where they shot 50%. Haven't had one in the postseason. Wow. They have not shot 50% yet, and. Really? Yeah, not not in a game. That's wow. crazy. And in their three ball, I mean, they're shooting Horrible. 30% from three. Horrible. And they're, you know, they were, that's where they live, mm-hmm. so. Um, That's just a nugget to throw out there. See See if if I I were on the show right now, Charles, I don't care about that. You you and your numbers. Come on, (laughs) Ernie.
3: That was was very close. Shout
0: out to the OG Chuck.
3: man. Absolutely. You know, most of the big market teams, all the big market teams are at home right now. You know, Lakers, uh, Heat, Knicks, Celtics, uh, Golden State. 76ers. I've been impressed still. It really feels like still the energy and the numbers are saying that this is still the most watched playoff since 2002. Mm. Um, It really feels like the league is not necessarily passing the torch yet, but the league is in great hands with this young talent that is on the rise. Sure.
4: People get carried away with numbers and ratings and that kind of thing. I'm, I'm like the worst person in the world to talk to about that because... I don't care if one person's watching or eight billion are watching right. our show. Yeah, you're going to do it the same. You're going to do it the same way. Right. And um, I'm just rooting for compelling series. That's all. That's all you can possibly want is that. Is that people during the day when they're at work um, and they're saying, "Man, I can't get home. I can't wait to get home and watch that game tonight." You know. You're not going to get that if a series is standing 3-0. You know, it's just like I, I'll, I'll, you know, I get there. But when, when when series are like this, 1-1. I don't care which city is represented. We just want, Good games. I just want compelling games. Hey, I want, and they have I want. You, hey, I want you to look back and you know, like people are at the water cooler today, if water coolers still exist. I don't even know. You know, they're <laughs> saying, man, did you stay up and watch that Clipper game? Yeah, yeah, I did. Yep. And and so um, that's what we're hoping for, man. That's that's that we want. Nobody's. Rooting for teams, people want to say that, oh, man, you guys are Stop all, pitching. you are so, you know, no, we're not. We just want the games to be good, man. Let's, let's have triple all. overtime. Let's have, mm-hmm. you know, let's have dramatic, let's have Aiden dunking at the, yeah. you know, with seven-tenths of a second. Aiton running off the
3: backboard in yeah. the playoffs. Katie with his big-ass <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> feet on the line that could have sent Milwaukee home, but oh. instead.
4: I mean, isn't, I mean, aren't those moments are yeah. just like, wow, yeah. Absolutely. And so, yeah, this is a great time of year for yeah, us, man. What was it like moving to Atlanta at age nine? I had no idea what Atlanta was, where Atlanta was. What, you know, you're nine years old, eight, nine, I'm, I think I was probably eight going on nine. You know, and you're, you're in Milwaukee, you know, just doing whatever eight-year-olds do in mm-hmm. Milwaukee, and all of a sudden it's okay going to Atlanta. I didn't know if that was like next to Brazil or near <laughs> Antarctica. I had no idea where <laughs> Atlanta was. You know, because of the reason for the move had you excited because okay, your dad works for the Braves. My dad was a broadcaster at that point, you know. Mm-hmm. So um, it was just like, man, I I can't wait to you know go to a new ballpark and you know watch ball games and that kind of thing. And I look and I realize I had I had this like this dream childhood growing up the right. son of a ball player, mm-hmm. you know, and a, and a Came broadcaster. Because you go, you know, I'm going to the stadium with him. You know, he's going there six hours before first pitch, you know, and DBP doing his stuff. And everything. Yeah. I'm sitting yeah. there I'm sitting there with my forearm on the batting cage watching Hank Aaron take swings. And I'm Legendary. like shoot, man. Yeah, I mean I had it uh, it was great. So uh right. yeah, so moving down here was awesome. We had to get used to had to get used to some accents and that kind of thing. I'll tell you, here's a true st- here's a true story. My my mom, they had been doing some road work, so my mom drives over some new paved road, and all this stuff splashes up on the side of the car. Tar. And so she says, we pull into this gas station when they used to have full serve. you know, and the guy comes out and he said, my, my mom says, I need, I need you to get the tar off my car. And he says, which tar is it? She said, no, the tar that splashes it. <laughs> He said, is it the left front tar, or is it the right that rear the tire. tar? like <laughs> oh okay right welcome south right. okay West, okay south. South. no south. yeah so that yeah that was our first that was our first lesson in the southern drawl mm,
3: that's funny so growing up as <laughs> you know having your dad in the major leagues and then transitioning into broadcast was what was funny. that like as a young kid in school and and, and around your friends
4: you know it's um it's an interesting point because it was, um, you got a lot of that. Well, he's just, he just made the all-star team because his dad's the Braves announcer. Right. Mm-hmm. You know, there was, you know, there was some of that built-in stuff like that. And, or he's just doing this because his dad, blah, blah, mm-hmm. blah. You get used to some of that stuff. You realize, obviously, that unless you prove it on your own, career's not going to last. Right. It's even, you know, it's like you get your first TV job in Macon, Georgia. You know, and and, and and so that's not the biggest market in the world, but people, well, he only got the making TV job because his dad's a Braves broadcaster. Yeah. Look, he, people at those stations they don't, don't care. care. They don't what, if you fear. get on the air and you're horrible, right, they're, your net, yeah, yeah, net net not, they're not gonna say, well, we gotta keep him. You know, his, right. you know it's like, don't you gotta keep on that, proving right? yourself to, to move up and so, um, yeah, it was, again, uh, you know, it was great. You know, it was, I spent a lot of time just going to the ballpark watching him work. You know, I watched my dad, how he, how seriously he took his, his craft, you know, in his preparation and how he treated people. And, and again, it's not like he had to sit me down and lecture me about this is how you do this. Right. This is, it was just, I watched him. You see an example. Yeah. And, and I tell dads all the time now, I said, look, you got to realize it. Kids have superpowers, man. Mm-hmm. They see and hear everything. 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 And so they watch, they see how you're acting when you're caught in traffic. They see what happens when you've had a bad day at the office. They see it and they hear it and you don't, You know, even though you may not consciously be thinking you're teaching them, mm-hmm. they're learning. They're learning something, right,
0: yeah. at all times. Yeah.
2: Take your business further with the smart and flexible American Express Business Gold Card. It's packed with benefits to help unlock more value from your business purchases. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash businessgoldcard.
3: Well, you kind of opened the door with this, but I kind of want to dig a little deeper. Um, memorable experiences as a child um, around the game of baseball. You know, you said you got to casually watch Hank Aaron take That's batting crazy. practice. Yeah.
4: Uh, some other stories that, that they were just like, wow. Yeah, well, I mean, I, I mean some of it's like an eye opener because, you know, you're sitting around in the Braves clubhouse, you know, a few hours before the game. You know, you, my dad may be doing an interview over here in the corner, doing something like that. And it's like, wow, that guy's sitting in his locker smoking a cigarette. Whoa. <laughs> <dang>. <laughs> Old school. I, yeah, it was Old like, school. really? Um, but it was, I, I think it was just all the opportunities I had, even to meet guys my dad played against. Mm. Like, Stan Musial, okay, one of the all-time greats. Great. Mm. And, and you know, the Cardinals would be in town, and we'd be on the field, my dad would say, hey, come over here, you gotta meet this guy. And so i meet, you know, and, and, and again, this is not all when I'm a little nine or 10 year old, I'm in high school at this point, I'm, you know, and I know the game, and I know these players, and, like Stan Musial comes up you know and we shake hands and he says man I remember facing your dad you Mm. know he he used to throw my dad threw a palm ball Mm. which is you know they don't call it a palm ball anymore but that was his changeup. you know now you got circle change and you get all this stuff but he said my your dad threw me this palm ball and his same motion as his fastball and the ball never got there It just went (laughs) and got I'm saying listen how cool is this that I got Stan Musial telling me stories about my dad Mm -hmm. you know and then um, on the basketball side, it was like um, when the Hawks moved down here, early 70s, you know where they played? Georgia Tech, mm. the, the same Coliseum where they, uh, where they play. I mean, it was Alexander Memorial Coliseum there. But when the Hawks moved down here, they played their games at Georgia Tech. I didn't know and that. so, yeah, my dad would, would it, and what's strange now, my dad always used to park on the same piece of street right across from the, uh, from the arena which is, and I drive past that every day when I go to work. I mean, I go down that same hill, and I remember my dad stopping and then parallel parking, and then we'd walk across, go in there. But that's where I saw Pete Maravich play. That's where I saw, you know, the teams that came in. That's where I saw Wilt, saw Bill Russell, saw all these guys as I was growing up, you know, watching, you know, and that's where I, that's where basketball bit me. You know, that's, you know, Jerry West, you know, watching all of these guys, and then, and what's cool is like, you know, at the Legends Brunch and that kind of thing at All-Star Weekend, you, where you run into some of these guys and you bring up to them, I used to watch you play at Georgia Tech against wow. the Hawks. And there's a man that the lights in that place were so bad, and that floor <laughs> was so hard, and that was, you know, and they and they remember it. Right. And then it's it, and, yeah, and right I right, and so. I even shouted out one day, I shouted out Jumpin' Joe Caldwell at that Legends Brunch. And I said, Man, I grew up watching guys like this. And and Joe was there wow. and I didn't know where he was. And then it was like, man, it, you don't know what it meant to have somebody bring up my name again. Wow. 40, 50 years after, you know, so cool. Um, no, Pretty that's smart. that's where I got that first taste of yeah. the NBA, man. Just loved it. That's some big names. Absolutely. Oh, Pistol was my guy. That was that was, you know, everybody everybody was trying to grow their hair all floppy everybody wore the floppy socks everybody wanted to shoot from 30 you know but he was uh, What was, he was it
3: like seeing him play though in, in just his game obviously before his time yeah. in his game but what was it like just watching him play
4: Yeah my dad actually even took me up to Athens once uh, when Pete was still at LSU cuz see my dad was a huge fan my dad played some semi pro basketball so he loved hoop But he you know he'd always like was playing Georgia tonight. Uh, we're going to go up and watch Pete, you know. And, I mean, he just, you know, you're not talking about a three-point line over there at that point. But he just had this, this great flair, you know. And it was like, you didn't care really who, who won the game. You just wanted to see Pete, right? this guy that everybody was talking about. And as the legend goes, also, he, he once won a game with a hook shot, like, at, at, at Georgia. And the Georgia fans. Started hearing picked him up yeah I mean that's the, that's what <laughs> that, the that's legend impressive. says I Bad wasn't impressive. I can't attest to that but there uh-huh. but the but the story is yeah he hit he hit a game winner in the and the home fans mm. you know picked him up and carried him off the floor mm. that sounds like a little bit I don't know if that, but you know, I you need to see, see that. hey,
3: but that's Pistol Pete you never yeah. know if it could happen to anyone it could happen to him yeah
4: and, and Lou Hudson was there. Was Elmo Beatty in those days I mm. mean that was Man, it was a great it was a great education in the game of uh, NBA basketball.
3: What were the early years of your broadcasting career like? Trying to find your footing
4: and climbing the ladder? It's like it's like what it is for a lot of kids in you know journalism schools and you know and that kind of thing. Where again, there's so many more outlets now than there were when I you know I graduated in '78. You know, and it was like, okay, you want to do sports, or if you know if you want to. You got to go to abc cbs or nbc you know ESPN was just getting going you know cnn in its oh, infancy boy. and so you know i go down to macon georgia and i'm anchoring the news and uh, at that point i'm like 20 i'm 23 years old scared to death you know and not very good at it but i'm on tv this is what i want to do right. but my first three jobs were all news jobs i was you know i was a General assignment reporter after being a news anchor in Macon and they hired me here in Atlanta as a news reporter So I was doing all that, you know crime beat stuff and all the county commission the meetings. original job at, yeah. yeah, because because while I did radio in Athens and I was doing news and sports and I said whatever whoever whoever's gonna hire me first I'm going I'll take it, right? and it was and and again, so it's a news job and then you know, it's in in this business, things work out crazy sometimes. A new news director took over at WSB, and when I'd been there like two or three years, and one of our sports guys was on vacation, so I'm filling in, doing a live shot before a baseball game. And I come into work the next day, and his assistant says, uh, "Raven wants to see you in his office," and I'm saying, "All right, I guess I better put my stuff in a box and mm-hmm. get out." Right. You know I, it's gonna take this guy one day to, to let me go. And I walked in there and he says, you thought about doing sports? Over mm, way after that. And I was like, um, yeah, I kind of thought I was pigeonholed into the news end now, but he said, no, I think I'd like to make you the weekend sports anchor and, mm. and make a change here and um, change the whole trajectory of my career and of my life. You know? Who was that? It was 1984, maybe, because I started at SB in 82. Yeah. So like 83, 84, somewhere around there. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and so all of a sudden I was just, I was the weekend sports guy. And, and that's when that led to like six years of that. And then the folks at Turner, and that's a good thing about having Turner in Atlanta. They, they saw me all the time. Mm-hmm. And so when they had a, an opening, they were like, they called me and said, you want to come over here and work with us? I said, uh, yeah, so I mean, begins. I think that sounds good. And he said, we could pay you this. I said, yeah, I could do that. That's a little more than I'm getting here at the, at the so local before station. before
3: we get to the TNT and that journey, tell us uh, where
4: Elevator Ernie was born at. Elevator Ernie was born <laughs> at the Omni. The Omni. The Omni. Um, and that's like mid-'80s. That's 85 or 86, and this is when I'm anchoring the weekend sports at Channel 2. And Bill Needle was the, uh, it's a name from the past. He was the Hawks PR director at that point. So he's setting up a media slam dunk contest. Um, So there are a couple of writers from the AJC. Steve Bruner was in there. A couple other guys. Craig Sager from, who was at TBS at the time. So Sager gets invited. Sager shows up wearing these, Candy stripe, red and white oh shorts goodness. that were just about exposing everything he had. Okay, uh-huh, and I was uh-huh. like, "How can you wear shorts that, that small?" Yeah. And he's, but Segs and I knew each other even back then because we'd be, care- you know, covering different stuff. So they said, "Yeah, okay, you, you guys show up here at the Hawks shoot around because this is when, and we're gonna kind of show you what's happening because we're gonna do this gonna in the pregame game. at the Hawks tonight." They gave us a pair of, gave us a pair of Brooks, gave us Nike shoes. So I had, you know, I've had, I was wearing Dominique's Brooks on on that thing. And <laughs> I don't know what possessed me to wear those, those I talk about Sager's shorts, I had You those.
3: had some fruit smugglers on too, they Dude, said, man, huh? those
4: things, <laughs> I, was re- I don't know what I was thinking, man. It, it, you know what, isn't it amazing when you look back some years and say, what was I hell? thinking yeah. when I wore that? You kept the glasses on though. Had the glasses, had the socks up to yeah. here, had the, but that was a style back then though. Yeah, the huggers, man, it was you know, yeah, the grape smugglers as Kenny always calls them. So yeah, so that's where it started and they gave us the they gave us the uh, t shirts and mine said elevator Ernie. <laughs> and I had no idea, not like I came out here and said, Hey, make mine elevator Call me Ernie. Elevator Ernie. <laughs> you just showed up at that night and they said, Here's your t-shirt. Oh, elevator Ernie, okay. And, yeah, that's and so yeah, we did like on an, an eight foot rim. It was it was some brutal entertainment. Mm. But I look back at some of those pictures. And I saw Craig Neal, who was one of the judges, Yvonne Joseph, member from Haiti, yep. was a, yep. a center at mm-hmm. Georgia Tech. He was one of the judges. And, uh, and then uh, somehow that video resurrected itself on our air and now it won't go away. So now at any <laughs> slow moment, anytime they want to they hurt do. me, they, they bring there that to
0: Could you jump? Could you, did you ever could dunk in real life on a real goal?
4: Look at me, come on, man. What do you think? I could touch a net. You, <laughs> <laughs> well, you never know. You could have been airborne in your younger days. You Man, no, no, I, I never could. I touch the rim, maybe, but I could never do that. <laughs> I could, I could never. And that's, and that's what. I don't know what it was. And I think it maybe if I had had, what a lot of young players these days have, and that's you know, there are training Framing. tools and that yeah. kind of thing where somebody can actually you tell both. you, mm-hmm. here, hey, look, this is how you. If yeah. you want a vertical, this is what you're going to have to do, and you're going to have to work on this, and you're going to have to develop. Yeah. But, but for me, it was like, um, look, I, even though you look at my physique, I was not a, a big guy in a weight room. I know that's surprising. <laughs> uh, but it was like, I'm one of those guys who were like, when I was taking PE classes and they started doing pull-ups, I always found a way to kind of like get to the get back of the, the line, line
3: every time. Yeah. And then they say, oh, let's move over here. Good. So we we're, so, t- we're talking about that, too, how, you know, when we were younger, We just played outside we played everything we played outside there was no training there was no you had games you barely had practice like now because i have 12 year olds now and it's really like almost not a job but almost like a job with their routines at a young age and i kind of just missed the days of just going outside and playing until the lights came on that's That's, all
4: up no you're exactly right and and that's the same and the world's just different right because you know i we used to you know i was more baseball player than i was a a basketball player. I played a little college baseball at Georgia. Mm -hmm. Um, But growing up, obviously, baseball was my first love. And so, I mean, all those summer mornings, all your buddies would get together. You'd all walk a mile and a half to the grammar school up there where they had a field, and and you would just play. You you would play all day. You'd Mm -hmm. you'd play pickup games all day mm-hmm. you come home Came stinking up. just horrible you know you're so just distri- and so hungry to have dinner but your parents never gave it a second thought it was never like where's ernie where are you going, oh, What's going he's over on? at spalding playing mm-hmm. playing ball you know yeah. But it's different. It's different, and we didn't have video games and any of that oh, stuff, yeah. man. It was like just go, Let's just go, go and play. Now I, now I can't. I can't get <laughs> my kids outside. Like ugh, outside. <laughs> Dad, yeah, what you are you every about? Gadget in the world. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah but you gotta, you gotta bribe them. I'll get right. you a video game right. to go outside. Just and play. go outside, play.
0: play. Yeah. yeah.
4: How did you land at Turner Sports? Uh, they called one day. You know, I'd been there. I'd been at SB Channel Two here in Atlanta for like six or seven years. And they, they were actually looking to make me the host of a, you know, you guys remember Wide World Sports? Yeah. TBS had its own version of that called U.S. Olympic Gold. And they were using that show as like a year-long vehicle to lead up to the Goodwill Games, Ted Turner's, you know, Olympics, the Goodwill Games. And, um, and they said, we want you to come be the host of U.S. Olympic Gold, and then be the host of the Goodwill Games. And I said, okay, that'd be cool. You know, right. I, I can do that. And then there was a shakeup in the hierarchy of the Goodwill Games, and they said, oh no, Ernie Johnson's not gonna be the host of the Goodwill Games. Larry King's gonna be the host of the Goodwill Games. Wow. And um, and Hannah Storm's gonna be one of the co-hosts, and Nick Charles. Wow. Um, and so, um, I was left doing um, a variety of sports. Judo, modern pentathlon, rowing. It was back at the time. The less sexy sports. Yeah, it was back at the time when the Bo Jackson campaign was out there with Bo Nose. Bo Nose, yeah. Yeah, And so I told folks I was doing all the sports Bo doesn't know. (laughs) And so, uh, but that's the way it it worked out. And really, we hardly talked about the NBA when I signed the contract. Mm. Uh, But TNT was just coming into being. And so after... After the Goodwill Games there, and I, and I did some reporting for the NBA that first year back in 1990, or 89-90, then, they, then the, Sager was the studio host at that time, and they wanted to move Sags on the road as a reporter. And they moved me into that chair for the 90-91 season, and I've been sitting there ever since. Oh, man.
3: That the, that's what Inside the NBA yeah. initially yeah, the, started. Yeah,
4: exactly. That's, you know, it was the pregame show, and then it was, yeah. And the postgame show was different there, then mm-hmm. sometimes it was all dictated by the clock. You know, yeah. it was like inside the yeah. NBA is next, but the game went till five till eleven, so it would be like six minutes. Hey, how you doing? You know, how <laughs> yeah. about that game? We'll see. You, we'll see you next Tomorrow. week. Yeah, yeah but uh, but then it really just kind of morphed into what it is now. Please paint a picture
0: for me, what the NBA was like in the nineties. Take us back.
4: Oh, what the NBA was like in the nineties. Oh, when I first got started there. I mean, we're still talking the names. I mean. The, ber- the birds and the in the and the chucks yeah. and the magics and the michaels I mean no I mean it's hard to beat it was hard to beat the star power you had yeah. back then and I you know I I still remember going to the workouts for the dream team back in the early you know out in La Jolla. 91, 91. yeah oh,
0: you got a chance to experience that yeah. yeah
4: I was out there a little bit I didn't go to the Olympics, but I was there it was like the same time as the draft too so you go out there and and Marv Albert said something really interesting the other day because he, he was thinking back on that dream team and he just remembered the first time he saw that collection of talent walk out on the floor at the same time. It was like, you might want to catalog this because you may never mm. see something like this again. Right. Um, but those were, you know, I mean, I, it, to me, every, every era of the NBA has... Those Names. those stars, those personalities, those talents that that um, you wonder, are we ever going to see this again? Because I can remember, I can remember watching Michael and Neek have some unbelievable, you know, battles. Yeah. You know, and both of them coming up with stuff. You said, man, I'll never see somebody do that in midair again. Human highlight film. And then, here comes Kobe. Here comes here comes a. So many guys who were, you know, the things that dropped your jaw Vince. back then. Vince, yeah, you were saying. It's normal now. Wow, we're seeing that. Yeah, and you're seeing it on a nightly basis. You're seeing it in February games. You're seeing a guy come up and do something. and How did that go in? And and there was a time you thought, I'll never see anybody do right. that. And now you see it a lot. And, and just the athleticism in the league, has, has. I don't know where it goes from here, right. guys. I mean, I don't you see so many things on a nightly basis that really defy description, but you kind of get used to seeing them now. We're spoiled. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah.
3: That's why I think it's, I mean, to me, the dunk contest is so hard because what can you really do from here? I mean, with Zach Levine and Aaron Gordon and Vince and all these dunks, like you've got to almost kill Mm -hmm. yourself to (laughs) do something amazing. And, And then like you said too, now we're seeing some of these challenge competition dunks in games. Yeah. Like they're getting it off in games. You're like, what the hell? Like what is Vince Carter out here doing?
4: Yeah. No, that's and that I think, you know, the Vince in Oakland in two thousand, that was my favorite. Because mm. it's the first time I ever heard an arena at All Star Weekend sound like a playoff game. Mm. I mean when Vince did his thing and did it all on the first try. Right. Right. And made, did it made so, all of them. So effortlessly, the building erupted. It was like somebody had hit a game winner. Mm. And you know. And from that height you know then now you've had yeah you mentioned aaron gordon and, and zach levine i mean they came up with some great stuff but what is i mean what can you do anymore that nobody has ever seen it's all just kind of a little spin, uh, right. variation a little spin off of that you know and, and if you say wait that was pretty original i say, no really that looked that that like of what he yeah. did yeah. in 2015. Right. but yeah. uh that's what makes it hard and i think um you know, my favorite part of it has always been the three point because it's the point that was the it's the part of the contest I can relate to. Right. Because I can go out and I can go out in the gym and shoot. Yeah. You know, I can go out in the driveway and shoot. But I'll to your to your point, Jack, I, I'll never be able to say I got out in the driveway and dunked, Man. I, I, you know, so even there's a great appreciation for what they're able to do. Right. But there's nothing that says, you know, I think I might like to go try that. <laughs> a lot of people think that. Yeah. But but when you're out there shooting, then it's then you're saying, wow, how did Craig Hodges hit that many in a row? Right. Or how does he hit this? And and these days, you know, how does Dame feel comfortable, you know, Shoot taking two taking two steps over half court and hitting and shooting a jumper, not a heave, shooting a right. jumper, you yeah, know? And yeah, it's yeah. all these guys with their crazy range, man, it's unbelievable. It's, we're gonna have to we're gonna have to make the court bigger. Something. That's the next move. <laughs>
0: How did Inside NBA change once Kenny and Chuck joined the crew? It got worse.
4: <laughs> no, but, you know what? <clears throat> to me, I worked with Kenny first. Yeah. And um, and you guys know there's just you either have that or you don't have that. No, you don't. That. You know, if somebody has to talk you into being on TV, or if somebody sure. has to say, "Oh, no, I really wish you would do this," you know, and you really, you know, that's one thing. But when you got it, mm-hmm. you got it. Kenny had it, you know. Kenny was late in his career. He was working his way through 10 days, you know. Like, he'd be on the show one time, and say, hey, uh, yeah, I was with Detroit, now I'm with so-and-so, you know, so. Mm-hmm. But man, he, he just has a gift. Brought it. He's just natural. And, and so, I was having a great time working with him, and then when you get a chance to have Chuck on the show. Oh, man. You know, and, and it looked for all the world like he was going to NBC. NBC was right here with him, he, and he said, you know, he had verbally ag- agreed with, you know, to go to NBC. And he comes down to Atlanta and goes out with the Turner folks one night. Overwit. I don't know what that night was like, but it must have been good. <laughs> Overweight. Yeah, and so he signs with us. And your only hope is that the things that made him an attractive, you know, Option to be on your air is um, that he'll maintain that, that he won't lose that. Because mm-hmm. look, in in the course of my years there, we've had guys on the air who you thought from watching them interviewed or that kind of thing, you said, "Well, this guy would be great on TV." Yeah. And then the red light goes on, and they'd rather they'd rather be getting a root canal. Yeah, and it, you know, and and they don't want to piss anybody off. I don't want to say this because this, you know, and That's I'm not, not going to. Yeah. <laughs> no. Chuck doesn't care. And that's great. And, and that's the way Chuck's always been. You know, anytime he was interviewed as a from player the as, and, and then yeah. after his playing days, he's going to tell you what's on his mind. And if you Absolutely. don't agree, that's fine. That's so fine. Okay. Yep. But I, what he's not going to do is, is back away from it and say, no, I can't say that. Right. And, and he's got that over me because sometimes there, you know, there are times in a commercial break, I'll say something. He said, oh, you got to say that on the air. I said, no, no, no I'm not going to do that. He said, I'm stealing it. I said, no, you, 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 can have you go ahead. You, you, uh, you take that. Um, because <laughs> it was like the other day, you know, when Indiana um, fired Nate Bjorken as the head coach. And, and then um, in the commercial break, I looked at Chuck and I said, you know, they had Nate McMillan. They had, and I said, they fired the wrong Nate. Mm. And he said, oh, you should have said that. And I said, "No, nah, I don't need to." And he said, well, I'm using it. We came out of break, we do the that Nate Bjorkman stories. Right. Fired the wrong Nate, you know, right. so. Chuck's got that, that's not in Chuck's DNA to hold back. Mm-mm. Chuck's, you know. It wouldn't be him
3: with that. Okay, I remember a... I remember when he first started though, and I think that's when you guys kind of went into the full booth because he used to wear flip-flops and shorts and all, and just have like the sports coat on, but then he you still could see underneath. Problems. But you yeah. could see underneath, well now at least they block it, but I remember at the beginning when he got on, because I mean, that's right when I was in college and really started to tune into this stuff and it, it just kind of see his transformation. Um, on that and kind of really find himself what has that been like obviously Shaq comes and joins the show in 2011. Now it's an animal house and you have to control <laughs> three of the biggest personalities in the game. What is that like kind of trying to be the quarterback or the kind of the, the, the caretaker of such a rambunctious Shaq group? Shaq and Chuck alone
4: yeah. Into alone. yeah. Sometimes you try to control and sometimes let it go. It's just good for yeah.
0: sometimes.
3: Oh, yeah. No
4: no you, and you have to know that yeah. guys you have to, you have to and our, uh, to our producer's credit, Tim Kiley, who was at our producer for a long time, and now Jeremy Levin have a good feel for that. And they know, I'm still going to stay out of their ears at, during this, this thing is rolling, let them go. And then, but there are times also when you say, look, okay, we're to the point where Chuck's repeating himself. Or we're, at the cha- we're at the point where Shaq's about to fight him. You know, <laughs> blow a you know explode a blood vessel if he you know like because they just can't they can't disagree on something without like feeling like you have to talk louder than the other guy to yep. be heard like the other day when they're talking about how you defend you know, trey young and the drop coverage and that kind of thing and charles says and Shaq is Screaming over here on my right, and he's just, no, and, and, and then it's like, okay, I'm still gonna stay out of this for a second, but it, and then every now and then, hey, let's just hear Charles, okay? And Charles, no, let's just hear Shaq. So that's more my role in the thing. Nobody cares what I think about you know how to defend Trey Young. They want to hear from the players. Yeah. But what I'm trying to do is hey look, nobody's going to understand anything Anybody, right. if you're yelling and he's screaming and then he's going to come over and try to move furniture. So that's <laughs> that's where that's where you step in and try to just moderate and kind of say, "Okay, you know, hey, guys, this is a, this is a great discussion, but let's mm-hmm. let's make it maybe a little more you know, discernible rather than just you shouting at him. But they know the game and they come out in yes. different ways, they man. And, and so what you don't want to do is get in the way of really good analysis right. by saying, oh, no, now we've got to go to commercial. Our producers are great at saying, well, make the time up somewhere else. You right. guys were rolling on Let it, that, so that's good. Who is it, the producers? Do you guys help just the creativity
3: with the show from Gone Fishing to Kenny running to the board to I guarantee, like, where does all the creativity, that you guys have any input or is it kind of just play by ear, go with the flow?
4: Everybody's got input. Love it. Everybody, you know, the three of us might have input, but it's everybody on the crew. That's what makes it, that's what makes it so much fun. It's like
3: you guys are just having a blast every single night.
4: But it's everybody upstairs. I mean, it can be... It's it's the assistant graphics guy who thinks. Underdog. Yeah, it's underdog. You're right. (laughs) You're right. It's everybody, but it's lighting guys, it's audio guys, it's the men and women who work on that show, come up with an idea, and you know, like we, we'll have a production meeting three four hours before. Uh, Chuck Kenny and Shaq are not at that, and they're not invited to it because we don't (laughs) want them to know what we're what we're thinking about doing, but. You'd be amazed at how many times when they say, We're thinking about doing this for the Needo Stat of the Night tonight. You know, it's based on something that Kenny did back in 1995. And, it's, and you wouldn't believe, and you know, we're doing these on Zoom, the number of voices that pop up and so say, Maybe you want to use this a clip from so and so. Maybe you want to do this. Maybe you want to do this. And what's great is our producers are like, Bring it on. The best yeah. ideas. I'm the producer of the show, you know. They could say that, and, you, and in TV you run into this, I'm the producer, right. this is what we're doing. Mm-hmm. But these guys are like, I'm producing it, and I've got this great crew working with me who throw ideas in and throw this out. And that's why, look, when we we've, we've been very fortunate in terms of the show winning a lot of Emmys and stuff like that, right. but every time that happens, everybody on that crew, no matter what you do, feels like yeah
3: they had we hand won it. that we I had it. a
4: hand in love it and that's what makes it that's what makes it so much fun to go to work man you know you, you, I, I pull into that parking lot and I know before this work day's through I'm going to laugh my ass off about yeah. something the whole time and yeah. we need that yes absolutely you know it's, it's, <clears throat> there's too many people going to work because they gotta Have go to work but we get yeah. to. We
3: you to you know
0: you're good at what you do too it's a great feeling.
3: Oh, and that's the thing, too. I mean, I'll miss games sometimes and still tune in, you know, just tune in to watch your guy at the show. I mean, or oh, just to have, see if there's yeah. an
4: international incident created by
3: something somebody says. Yeah. Have, to me, the most entertaining and obviously you guys have been awarded, like Jack said, you know, congratulations on all the Emmys and accolades. But like I said, you kind of have set the blueprint to how shelves can be ran. You know, like you said, there's old school ways of this is my way or the highway, or you kind of have the input and take the creativity of everyone and, and, and you get a great product with it. You know, yeah. we kind of feel like we do similar stuff here where it's just not one way, you know, we feel like this will be better, Jack, like I want to do it this way or you know, so, I mean, to me that's where you get the best out of everyone and everyone feels like they're a part of the, of
4: the success. Yeah, and, and not every, you know, not every idea is going to be great, but what our guys are so good at doing is saying yeah, I don't know if that's going to fly, but it's a, I, I see where you're going. We'll see. So nobody gets their feelings hurt and then clams up and next time says, well, I'm not going to suggest anything now because it right, got right, shot, shot down. Because I, you know, I get stuff shot down, too. You know, I'll say, maybe we can do this. And then somebody will say, ah, well, I don't know if that's going to, I don't really <laughs> find that very funny, but we right. could do this. And I say, well, that's a better idea. There so I think you always have to do that. You always have to step away and say, what is going to be the best thing for the show? And I think that's why it's worked with us too, because Chuck, Kenny, Shaq have never made, or tried to make the show about them. Yeah. They've never said, hey, I don't have enough uh, airtime here. I'm not getting enough face time. Everybody just says, what's gonna make the show better? Right. And that's the team environment. The, uh, look, started this thing talking about the Hawks. Right. That's, w- that's what you're seeing with them. They're buying in. I'm not making this game about me. But if it's gonna make our game better and our team better, let's do it. So be mm-hmm. it. that's what it's about.
3: 2003, yeah. you're diagnosed with non Hodgkin's lymphoma. Um, battle through, start doing uh, treatment in 06. First of all, what was that experience like for you? But then also being vulnerable enough and open enough to share it with us and, and, and
4: allow us in with your journey? Uh, you know, it's. How many people out there? I mean. I lost my mom to cancer yeah. in 07. I mean, you look, mm-hmm. you get into any room and ask people and when i speak i do that too if i when i'm going to talk about this just give me a show of hands if your life has been touched somehow by that Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. and it's a close friend or it's a family member or it's they themselves and so um yeah when i got that word for three years i really didn't have to do anything because i you you could look at me and not see and say nothing's wrong so only a few people knew um but then you know in 2006 my lymph nose starts swelling up and it's like Okay, I'm gonna to have to tell everybody what's going on. And then um, the thing about cancer is uh, the uncertainty is one thing that really, that really gets to you. Because yeah. uh, you know something is going on, you don't know where this is gonna take you. I know but be, once yeah. a doctor tells you, all right, you've got non-Hodgkin's lymphoma, and it's this kind of non-Hodgkin's lymphoma, and you learn a lot about, mm-hmm. oh, I thought there was just one. No, there's a bunch of different ones. Uh, and here's how, how we're going to treat it. Then you put your head down and go, Yeah. you know, then you just, and you lean on your, fa- your faith, your family, your friends, and you get through it. Nice. Um, and so, yeah, I did six cycles of chemo there and, um, went into remission, came back on the air and, you know, I've been in remission from non hodgkin since 2006. Um, Congratulations. and then, you know, and, and, and here's, here's the thing. I mean, you're, I um, I had prostate cancer two years ago, mm. so I was like, I wasn't done with it, you know. It's, you know, but the thing that's, the thing that's, different, guys, is that, when my wife and I, sat down with that doctor in 2003 and got the word, that first time, and you can't believe the words you're hearing. My. Uh, and then you can't believe that you're in the inf- this infusion thing in 2006 and looking at all these folks who have cancer and you're all hooked up and you're all doing these drips. And then in 2019, when I got that word and she and I were sitting across from a doctor and it was like, we've been here, mm-hmm. we've done this, we're fixing to do it again. Mm-hmm. And... Um, uh- For that it was it was surgery it wasn't any kind of chemo but it was it was just like okay well we're going to do whatever we have to do and we will get through this and and without my faith i don't you know look i had a pastor who told me you know it's just like back then when you're kind of shaking your fist at god and saying why me you know why why is this happening and he's like hey look you trust god period and i mean i'm not trying to turn this into church Mm But that's the foundation of my life. Right. Not I'm going to trust God if this turns out the right. way I want it to. Well, I'm just going to trust God, period. He's going to take me someplace through this. He's going to make me a better man. Right. He's, going to, he's going to open my eyes to something. And one thing that's opened my eyes to in terms of cancer is that when you get it, it brings with it an opportunity and a responsibility to help the next person through it. I can't tell you how many times people have called me and said, hey, i got a buddy who's starting, who's starting chemo. Can you call him? Or can you drop him an email? never know yeah. what that means to him. You don't. And it's, and it's all about hitting the send button or, or just getting on the phone. Yeah. Had, I had one of those this week. I just called this guy, you know, he didn't know I was calling, but a friend of his had called and said, hey, he read your book and he, and he did this. And it was like, hey, John, how you doing? Ernie Johnson. Wow. wow, really? I said, how we feeling? We're good. You know, I'm a little scared. You know, it's like, well, let's talk about it. And then you wind up, Swapping stories for 20 minutes and saying, you know, you're going to be, you're going to get making. through this thing, yeah, man. Yeah. And, and and so, people did it for me. I'm trying to do it for people. You know, it's like, there's always going to be folks who do, in that club that nobody wants to be. In. Mm-hmm. You know, that membership. I wish that membership would dwindle down to the point where you wouldn't have to worry about it. Yeah. But it keeps on going. And so, um, every time some new member gets in that club, and you can call them and say going to be okay. Means yeah. a lot. You know, it's going to be difficult, maybe at times. It's going to be okay. Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah, not, not to the magnitude of what, of what you had to fight through, but I got a message this morning uh, from Deion Sanders. And uh, I'm going through my own transformation with, you know, I stopped drinking and smoking and everything. And um, a lot of people don't understand it because we have a show called All the Smoke. Yeah. But I got a message from him this morning, and it seemed like he always sent me the message at the right time. Yeah. And uh, just to, just to tell me that the direction I'm going in, everybody's not meant to. Mm-hmm. And keep leading and stay strong and, and you need to hear stuff like that sometimes especially from legends like Deion Sanders because a lot of people on the outside might not understand where you come from and where you're going but to hear people who've been at the top their whole life multi multi sports and who he is as a Hall of Famer one of the greats to hear that from him it, it gave
4: me more inspiration to continue to fight and be who I am Jack, I was so gonna, I understand that no, I was gonna say to you when you when you read that text or you get that phone message or you get that email and it's like, we all need encouragement. Yep. You know, people can look out there and say, well, oh, this guy's got it all. He must have this, you know, and this. He's still human. Man, there is nothing like encouragement. Right. There is nothing like, and it's one of those things that, and it hits you right out of the blue when it's like, man, that just made my day. I was right.
0: instantly in tears. You know, so that meant a lot. That
4: meant so I, I can know what you're going through. No, that's, that's <laughs> tremendous, man. I love hearing that.
0: Yeah, I, yeah, because you gotta think Love he's it. gonna guard, he don't care about guarding. He's gonna guard. He's gonna exactly. guard like you see him in the exactly. Olympics, he's gonna guard and then on I'm top not of it, like that, See that?
1: Ladies and gentlemen, please welcome
0: Sam Cassell to point game. I remember you came to my room crying. Tears, crying tears. <laughs> I mean, he was in a culture shock and he's, he's going to withdraw us about winning. Remember you what know? I told you? I said I said, O. G. you think I can get paid and go back and play in college because they didn't need it. Ain't it? <laughs>
1: Check out Point Game with John Wall and CJ Toledano on the iHeartRadio app,
2: DraftKings YouTube, or wherever you get your podcasts. Take your business further with the smart and flexible American Express Business Gold Card. It's packed with benefits to help unlock more value from your business purchases. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash businessgoldcard. AT&T connects an ode to podcasts.
0: How did Shaq? How did this addition to Shaq uh, happen? How did that even
4: happen with the big fella coming on? I think I think everybody look when a, a big, a larger than life guy like that <laughs> is Literally. done playing, everybody wants him. And yeah. a and a kid at that, a big kid at that, world's biggest, the yeah, world's biggest nice child. There. But if he's going to be out there and he's going to want to do TV, you got to be crazy not to make a run at him, right? You know, and so everybody makes a run at him. But I think, you know, there were some growing pains. I mean, you know, I'll be honest, man. You know, okay. it's like, number one, you're switching careers, okay? So you, nobody expects you to jump from that into this seamlessly, like, okay. But he's, you know, he what endeared, what he looked at with our show is the fun we had. Yeah. You know, Shaq just happens to be a, a an all-world basketball player. It wasn't because he studied every player in the game, or is this great student of of how to no. how to play? And it's, that's like he just happens to be really good at that. So it wasn't like the breakdown of games that that had him saying, "I like to be on that show." It was that Fun. some crazy stuff happened on our show, and he wanted <laughs> to be part of that. And so, um, you know, and that was from the you know from the jump. You know, he'd get on there in that first show and said. Push that Christmas tree over on me. And we'll get a you know a lot of YouTube hits. You know? but, uh, you know,
3: so um, yeah, he's but, with the shit but, too. He's down for fun. Yeah, so, oh yeah, he, he is goes. man. Yeah. And we
4: would. And you know, it got to the point after the first couple of months where he was throwing out all these suggestions. You know, you can tase me. I've been to stunt school.
0: I've been to stunt
3: school. <laughs> but I could just picture him yeah, saying all this shit. No, though, and so, Kenny like, and, and,
4: and and Kenny was like, Shaq. Take a step back," he said. <laughs> "Patience, you yourself, know, big fella. We're afraid you're going to set the, set fire to yourself, and we're not even halfway through your first year here. He's, because I think what he had to realize that is a lot of what is funny on our show is really organic.
0: Yeah, that's that just happens. Happened. Yeah. You know, it's
4: look. Shaq didn't mean to break the internet the night that he that he told us on on the air live that he didn't know that the Warriors played in Oakland. <laughs> Oh, man, Big Brother's crazy. unbelievable. He did. And I was like, we're doing the highlight live. And I said, we go to Oakland for the highlights. And he's, why do you keep saying Oakland? <laughs> I said, because that's where they're playing the game, man. He said, is that where they play? <laughs> and, and we just kind of like stopped the highlight. And for Charles, he said, how many years did you play in the league?
0: Yeah, you know Charles from uh, the him after yeah, that. Yeah, and he said, <laughs> and he said,
4: he said you know. I just always thought, you know, we stayed in San Francisco. I just thought we always played there. I just got on a bus. <laughs> <laughs> see, you don't right. plan that. Right. And, and there's nothing in a production meeting that says, okay, look, in that third segment, let's see if um, right. Shaq knows where the, the Warriors play. Right. It just happened. Right. It just happened. And so um, he's learned that. There are certain times that he's also, you know, he's had ideas, let's do this because I'd like to, you know, and that's great. Mm-hmm. But most of the time, Stuff that people find funny just happens on right. our show because right. it's just you know it's Kenny turning the wrong way in the chair and somebody beating him to the board. I don't even know how that stuff all started, but I, now you know he's part of the show you, now. Now you pick yeah. your spots, yeah, and right. it's like okay, I got him here. Yeah. If he turns if he turns, turns toward Charles, I'm going. But um, no, that was I think Shaq uh, you know eventually grew into that role, and now he's very comfortable breaking stuff down, whether that's on the others or whether it's Rudy Gobert, whether it's, you know, what's Embiid doing? Why is Embiid good tonight? You know, what do you not like? And so, um, yeah, so now we're just, the four of us, you know, we just do our thing. man. What is it like for you though? Obviously you and Kenny
3: initially started bringing Chuck in, bringing Shaq in, learning everyone in this space now. Like you said, it's a completely new space for them. So learning them and then trying to kind of as you can, much as you can kind of control and, and work people in and out until they have their feet
4: underneath them? I think all of that comes with reps. And and I think, uh, yeah. and again, the more you work with somebody, then you kind of know what buttons to push and yeah. you know what's, and, and it even it, it even affects your mind into, yeah. as you're preparing for something um, and, and you're preparing for a show and you see a number or you read a quote and you think, Man, when I throw that quote out tonight, Charles is going to jump <laughs> on that. And I said, or turn, I, run, yeah, if I throw that, if, if I throw that number out, Shaq's going to, or if I throw that out, Kenny's going to go, whoa, really? I know, so it's kind of knowing those buttons to push. And so, and so when, when people call me like the traffic cop on the show, it's like an insult to a really good traffic cop, because when you, really good traffic cops are going to wave this car through and this car through and this traffic's going to stop because we don't want any fender benders. We don't right. want anybody, you know. But for me, it's like I know if I wave <laughs> Shack into this intersection right now, Chuck, is going to broadside. <laughs> him. And so that's you know, I'm am like this rogue traffic cop right. who would who would be assigned to desk duty for being so <laughs> damn bad at his job. Yeah. And so yeah. and so uh, I think that's what I think that's where you kind of learn. Let's let him go here. And, then, and, and again, it's also just trying to get everybody that touches. Mm-hmm. So you don't want the, the, story, the show to be this cookie cutter thing where okay, you're always gonna go to him first right. and I he's agree. gonna do this. Sometimes you're gonna say, Shaq, I wanna hear what you think about this. I, hey, we just saw that dust up there late in the half. You know, Do you think he did that on purpose? Or can, so it, that's kind of my thing is, is like, make everybody feel like they're always involved right. equally in this thing and knowing that if I bring this up He's gonna just go crazy. Get crazy yeah, right. on this guy. So that's you know, that's kind of how that whole they dynamic work well works. Together.
3: How has it been working in someone I'm a huge fan of and I know once he's done playing he's gonna be great how's it been working, Draymond, in when he comes on set? Because he's one of the brightest basketball minds I've ever been around. Yeah. You know what I told him? Yeah, you're the front, what I told you're the him the water. other
4: day. What I told him the other day, because he's yeah, I mean he's been on our show, The Arena, mm-hmm. you know, talking social issues, and he's been He's been with us a few times. I I told him last time, I said, I said, must be must be good to be you. He said, what? I said, because I don't know how much longer you're gonna play. But as soon as you take those sneaks off the next for the last time, you got your pick. Mm-hmm. You can go anywhere you want. Mm-hmm. I said, you're that good. That good. Yeah, and I did. I mean, and again, I think. People need to hear this. Right. You know, people need, you know, in this business, I think, I think what goes on a lot of times is somebody may not be doing the greatest possible job they can be doing, but they're not getting any input. You know, they're, they're, it's like you're out there to sink or swim. You know, if you're gonna keep making the same mistakes, and maybe people are just too reverential and not, not gonna bring it up and say, hey, you might wanna do this and it might make you better. Well, what are you doing telling me? for me I think it's I think it's look you need to tell people when they're doing great right. and when and, and I think you need to tell them you know what you could how you could really be better is if you did this right. you know and just and that's just my opinion you know and but what I told I told Draymond, and 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 he probably already knew it but I told him I said you can write your ticket you can write your ticket right now. Well, opinion mm-hmm.
0: coming from you and and, and okay, that yeah, in
4: that space, that's more than an opinion. That's good. that's the best advice you can get. Uh, but man, I mean, he's good. I mean, he yeah. speaks his mind. He and, and for him, he just jump right into the flow of our show too. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It's like he's he's sitting in you know earlier in the playoffs. Each of the guys took a night off, mm-hmm. so he moved from this chair to this yeah, chair yeah. to this chair. Yeah. And he's great in every chair. Didn't yeah. miss a beat. No, no. It has great stuff to say. And again, like Chuck. Not holding anything back, right? Uh-huh. Hey, this is uh-huh. how I feel, right. you know. Stand when, on and it. And when Chuck says, you know, I, "I I like the Bucks to win the whole thing," you know, I no, I asked, I asked Draymond. So who you got coming out of the East? He said, "Seriously? Yeah." He said, "Well, Brooklyn." He said, "You know, when and this is when all three are going to play together." Right. And and Chuck's like, no, I got the Bucks coming out." He's and his just his word was just good luck, Chuck. You know. <laughs> so, <laughs> right. Um, And again, things change because of what what goes on with injuries and that kind of thing, and who gets eliminated. But to the original point, Draymond Green, yeah, oh,
3: yeah, great. Shout out Draymond. Shout out Dray. You guys had the unfortunate duty of uh, being live on air uh, with the Kobe tragedy. What was the emotion like and energy like, and how tough was it to be able to get
4: through that particular night? I've never been in a show like that, I mean, in 31 years. It was the most unique show ever, uh, ever hosted. And because it was so fresh from, I mean, it happens Sunday, we're in L.A. Tuesday, and we are in the middle of Staples Center, empty, just to talk about it. Shaq hadn't even talked to anybody about it at that point. Uh, jerry west is on the show uh, we just had other voices i think rick fox was on that show at some point point. and it was just you know what it was one of those days where it just told you that this job we're doing sometimes can can go above and beyond being just a basketball show because everybody in the country was kind of coming to grips with, how do you deal with this? How do we, uh, how do we deal with these emotions we're feeling? And for, for Shaq to be sitting there and just pour his heart out. Jerry West do the same thing, Chuck Kenny. I mean, I can't even put into words how impactful that was for us to do it and just by gauging the reaction of people that it helps some people yeah, get through it too, mm-hmm. um, and that's not to p- put any self-importance on us. Like, oh, look what we—it was just—it g- was good for us all to talk about it, to lock eyes and say, "Yeah, man, it hurts. Mm-hmm. I hope we never have to do another it's still one." Still hard to another
0: talk one. about, right? For me, right? You know, just thinking yeah. about it right now, man, it's still hard to even talk about. Yeah,
4: it. yeah. I mean, it, I mean, when Jerry was sitting there, you know, talking about. What was going through his mind when he decided that he had to have Kobe Bryant? You know, and those first few years, of uh, and how tight they were. You know, the tears start coming, and and we're not there to stop them. Right, we're just there to kind of put a hand on his shoulder and say, "We've we got you." Right, this is, this is what you're doing. And 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 you know, and you know who gets a lot of credit. Who, and you may not know this story. You know who gets a lot of credit. For the way that show came off is the folks you know like our salespeople, because we're supposed to do like a four or five segment show our pregame show leading up to the game that we were going to show that night and we didn't take a commercial break mm-hmm. I think maybe we took one and so like our producer jeremy was calling them and saying i don't think i can can't cut this we can't stop this mm-hmm. we can't stop this and then go to commercial and come back. And they said, just go. Wow. And that's, and that was one of those things where it said, I don't care what this does in terms of the sponsors and the bottom line. And we right. value the sponsors and all that stuff. And I know they're supposed to get this, but the recognition that this is special. We we like brother. Yeah, yeah. we lost like yeah. And we're not going to cut somebody off this because we got to get to commercial and Somebody may be struggling to get the words out, and we don't care if they're gonna sit for 30 seconds and gather their mm-hmm. thoughts. That silence was speaking real. volumes. Man, it's real. It was, oh man.
0: It was quiet, yeah. I'm, I'm pitching this show in my mind, and I, I mean, I was watching it too, and I was going through a tough time at that time, even just dealing with it. But you're right, it did help a lot of people. Yeah. It did help a lot of people.
4: Do
3: you have any good, uh, in, in, any Kobe stories that come to mind while he was here?
4: You know, I just um, we sat down in his in his last season, over at the, H- the team hotel. You know, sat down there for a half hour and just kind of talked. You know, and uh, did that for a piece. Uh, I just I loved talking to him because you knew you weren't going to get the Spalding Guide to uh, interview answers from him that, that would say, okay, yeah, just. Page forty-two, paragraph B. That's the answer. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. He thought. He thought through everything you asked. Yeah. him. He was such a thoughtful, uh, and wise, beyond his years guy, that you always enjoyed talking to him. You know, we had him in the studio one night after you know after Chuck had called him selfish, you know, uh, during those during a playoff series. He came on. He came into Atlanta. Came on the set. Part of the crew. And I remember sitting in the green room when we were talking about favorite vacation spots. <laughs> and he's talking about places. And I said, I want to take my wife to Italy." You know, and he's like, "Oh, here's what you got to do." Mm. It was it was that kind of stuff, and it was it was just his thoughtful way, and it was you know, I I, mean, I remember when I when I finished chemo and I was still bald and we're doing opening night and his was the last Voice on a welcome back video that they did for me, and he's sitting here and says, "Hey, welcome to the brotherhood." Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And I was like, "Man, this is uh, this is
3: yes, um, absolutely." Yeah. And rest in peace to our brother. Um, throughout the show, we started the show talking about you know you kind of piggybacking with your dad and fatherhood. Um, you're a father of six, two biological, four adopted. Um, I find that very interesting because that's what my mom wanted to do was adopt, but unfortunately she passed from cancer in 07. So talk to us about just fatherhood, everything you fought through in your personal health life to still be here and be the
4: father you are and, and your children, for your children. I mean, Cheryl Ann and I are blessed, you know, and, and she, you know, you, know, you have a boy and a girl, you know, you get married in 82, you got a boy in 84, you get a girl in 87. and It's like, OK, set. we're done. Yes. We're set. that's Good. <laughs> let's not let's not mess with that. You know, that's and that's, you know, then the unscripted part of your life kind of kicks in because my, you know, my wife is just this has this wonderful heart. And
0: well, we know because you talk about it so highly on the show. We, we, we all feel like we know your wife. I know.
4: Well, I apologize for doing I just, nah, I'm I not it. But she's like. I come home from work one day and she says, "You know what we need to do?" And I'm like, "Chicken or fish, whatever you feel like." <laughs> you know, I'll eat anything. And she's like, she's like, we need to go to Romania and get one of these kids out of an orphanage over there because wow. she had seen the ABC News 2020 about these kids just warehoused in this thing, and, and you know, their special needs kids they're being forgotten, and and so." We wind up, you know, she goes, I stay here. I'm, I'm in Atlanta with our kids who were like three and seven at their four and seven at the time. Oh, they were still babies. Yeah, so I'm taking care of them. She's more worried about them than she is about her trip to Romania. She's like, man, I'm gonna come home and those kids right. are not gonna have had a vegetable Mother's for love. two months, yeah. But yeah, so we had a lot of, we had a lot of pizza and, pin, and uh, mm-hmm. putt-putt while mm-hmm. she's over there. But she goes over there and finds this, this little boy who's got all these issues and, and calls me from Romania and says, I don't know of what I can, just, we, this boy is so much more than we can handle. He's three years old, he can't walk, he can't talk. And he says, but I just can't imagine going the rest of my life wondering what happened to this kid. Mm. I was like, bring him home. And he was, you know, he had issues, still does. I mean, and then he gets diagnosed with muscular dystrophy. And there's no cure for that. And most of the time, a lot of times, kids don't get out of their teens. This guy's thirty-two now, man. What a I got this thirty-two-year-old miracle at my house, mm-hmm. and and he he's on a ventilator. Um, you know, can't do anything on his own. But he's amazing. And you guys are amazing. No, well. no, you know what? God's amazing. Yeah. You know, but it's you know, there'll we adopted a little girl from. Paraguay, Carmen, she's 28, adopted two kids out of foster care in Ohio who are now 20 and 21. But we've, you know, it's not because me and Cheryl are great, and we don't do this for any pats on the back. It's right. just like everybody, there's value in everybody. Yes. There, if, if you will look for it, there's value in everybody, and, and they all, and everybody deserves a chance to shine Absolutely. and a chance to be what they can be and so i think that's what has always been at the root of our heart for adoption is that let's give somebody a chance you know that you know let's give this romanian kid a chance he was abandoned in a park when he was born wow. you know the first time he'd been outside when my wife took him outside in that orphanage when he was three years old the first time he was outside since he was found in a park and so i think that we've just we've just tried to teach our kids and that there's value look for the value don't look for the things that that tell you oh this you know shoot the nurse who brought Michael out to Cheryl the first time that they met said don't take this boy he's no good Mm. and so we you know this boy who's no good has impacted so many people just with his life and so um, now we got it good man and I got four grandkids now too so Grandpa Ernie. We got, oh, Poppy, that's what they call me, Poppy. Poppy. Poppy, and my life is good, Mm -hmm. fellas. You know, I I get to work with these guys, but my life is great, and and that's with the cancer, that's with all the other stuff, that's with Michael's situation, I got
3: a great life. God is good, God is good. (sighs) Ah, Quick hitters. Coming down to the tail end, uh, first thing, actually, before we get to that, I wanted to ask a question. When did you know that inside the NBA was a big deal?
4: Sometimes, I think sometimes that comes with you you just, hear, and, yourself. Hear, just hearing talk, you know, just hearing people talk, hearing players talk, you know, hearing, you know, whatever it is, you know, people saying, hey, that's, or sometimes, you know, it's the being nominated for. You know, when the Emmys come up and nominations and some wins, and it's like, well, maybe we do have something going on here. But you, do, you never get so carried away with it when you're starting that it's like, oh, yeah, I'm a, I'm a big deal. I'm on Inside the NBA. Well, what's Inside the NBA? No, I think, I think just in time, it becoming kind of a part of the fabric of the NBA. Right. And, uh, you know, and I think, I think that it, it, it's very humbling to have the Hall of Fame you know, create a an award, this transformative media award that they give to Inside the NBA because it's been it's become part of the part Habit. of that. But again, that doesn't it doesn't happen overnight. And I and I, I to pinpoint a time where I thought, hey, this show is something. I don't know. I just I actually, I mean, when probably a couple of years into Chuck's ten he's been there twenty years now. But you know, that, and that's when that's when it started to be like man, I can't get away from people talking about inside right. the NBA. Then yeah. you kind of feel like, yeah, you know, I guess we're on to something here. Love it. Love it. Because we weren't getting that when I was doing the show by myself. Okay? When I was, when I was the sole guy out doing there <laughs> and doing highlights, it wasn't nobody saying, man, have you seen that show? It looks like every other highlight show, you know. But,
3: but, now, but uh, I mean, now 30, 30 years <coughs> later, you're one of the most respected, appreciated voices um, on the best show. So, I mean, obviously... You know, you are the focal. In, in ah, I work with good two. people, man. That's
0: what it is. You gotta give yourself some credit. We're not gonna have you on our show, and you're not give yourself some credit. <laughs> man. No. We look up to you. We appreciate I'm, you. I'm, I'm even more in awe of the man that you are now after giving the chance to talk to you and know more about you. But I'm besides just watching you on TV, so
4: we're gonna give you your flowers, man, and we'll no, appreciate we you. appreciate you. We I appreciate you too. And I, but uh, you know, it's like when you get a platform like that, how are you gonna use it? And oh. if you, if you're and I think enough things come up in the course of in the course of doing the show for 30 years where you can be you, and that's you know whether that's dealing with Craig Sager's situation, whether that's dealing with uh, you know the cancer and that kind of thing. Um, there are enough things that come up, whether that's dealing with Kobe, whether it's dealing with the pandemic. Right. Um, that people will see who you really are mm-hmm. in times like that, right. where they don't see it when you're just saying, "Hey, there's a three. Hey, there's a three. Look at that dunk. Hey, what do you mean, Shaq? Hey, Charles, stop it!" You know, mm-hmm. there are enough things that are real life. Humanize. Yeah, mm-hmm. and that's and uh, yeah.
0: A lot of shows run from that. Though. <clears throat> a lot of shows run from what's really going on. I know. You know what I mean? And to be one of the top sports shows and, and to tackle all that—that that says a lot. I love it. I do too.
3: All right, we're gonna put you on the hot seat. First thing to come to mind, let us know five <laughs> best single season teams you've personally seen.
4: Five best single season teams. Uh, does NBA it, does it, or it or have to NBA. be in, in any particular no, no order. order? Okay, uh-uh. you know, seventy-three win Warriors, seventy-two win Bulls. I think that uh, that San Antonio team that came back and beat Miami in the finals was uh, was what one team? great. team? Yeah, the, you know, after losing it, then they come back yeah. and they just throttled them, yep. and it was like a clinic. And I'll go, I'll go back to uh, those, early, those early season, uh, or early 70s Hawks teams where I got to watch Pete. Mm. Uh, that'll be in there, um, but that's just, that's from a just personal. personal. Yeah, that's, that's what we're uh, asking. But um, the Golden State teams were really fun to watch.
0: Down one, 10 seconds to go. Or your top five that you ever saw to get a bucket? Hmm. You've seen a lot of basketball. <laughs> <laughs>
4: but I mean, I think I think you put I think you put Kobe and Michael in there, and you what? may want to put Isaiah Thomas in there. Oh yeah, go, he gonna go get it. Zeke so gonna go get yeah. it. Man, I hate questions like this because I know. You've <laughs> seen you so much. Because I know. You know I'm singing and I'm thinking to say, man, how could you not say this? And because that's the way it is these days, Oh, too. yeah. Anytime anybody ranks anything and then say, how could you not say this guy? Right. Um, but I'll, I'll just give you, I'll throw those three out at you at this point. I like it. That's like I'll take those three, though, right. any day.
3: Top two most memorable events you've covered, sports or non-sports?
4: Mm, that I've covered or that I've been at? either. Been a part of. Okay, so I was sitting there when Hank Aaron hit 715. Wow. So that was cool in Atlanta Atlanta Stadium. So that would be in there. Um, and another one would be watching Jack Nicholas. I was I was at the mic when Jack Nicholas played his final hole at uh, St. Andrews and mm-hmm. his final major at the, at the uh, British open.
0: This, this episode and Jim Gray episode, man, I don't, <laughs>
4: <laughs> I
2: don't oh, know. No, bitch. Jim
4: Gray's, Jim Gray will out you. Oh, Jim man, Gray's I don't got know. so I don't many know, man. moments where You're he right. was at, you yeah. know, he's, he's there when guys get getting punched or getting their ear bit and all kinds of <laughs> stuff. But he's, but I, but that was, that was, that Jack Nicholas moment was, was incredible that's because cool. that's in the birthplace of golf. And that's mm-hmm. like everybody in the town had come out by the end of the day. And, uh, But there are a lot of good ones. But and but I'll say this working working baseball with my dad will be the greatest thing that nothing will surpass that. Calling games with him, you know, sitting shoulder to shoulder calling games. Amazing. With your dad. How many can say that?
3: I want a question, this is not on the list, but
4: I wanted to know since you brought it up. If it's not on the list, I'm not gonna answer it, I'm sorry. (laughs) What
3: kind of person was Hank Aaron? You got to know him personally.
4: Kind, gracious, humble, um, and a gentleman and 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 again you know when you're sitting in the dugout hours before a game and he's coming by and asking you how your little league team's doing you're like hold on just me? a second is this really Aaron. happening right. but i also went to high school with his sons okay. with henry and larry and everybody just says the same thing you know he felt totally comfortable coming to a ball game sitting in the stands really you know cool. and and it was he was he was a you know one of the all-time greats and and didn't do it for the fanfare, didn't do it, you know. My dad, one of my dad's greatest comparisons when back when Willie Mays and Hank Aaron were, you know, these two stalwarts and these two foundations of the of baseball. And people would say, Well, you know, Mays is better than Aaron. And my dad would say, Aaron can do everything Mays does, is but his hat doesn't fall off. Mm, right. You know, so like like there was never there was never this showmanship by on Henry's part. There was never, you know, he just had these incredibly sharp reflexes and these incredible, this incredible power in his wrists. You know, he wasn't hitting 500-foot home runs. He was just hitting home runs that left the ballpark before you knew what was happening. Mm. So, and no, he was just to be able to, to be able to have that relationship and to be able to call him, you know, when my dad retired, I was putting a video together and I said, I need Hank on this video to talk about, you know, playing with my dad um, you know, and then, you know, having my dad call so many of his games and Hank just meets me down at Atlanta stadium. We sit there and do an interview and tie on him. He's just a wow. good, he was just
3: special for yeah, Special. Great All right. Back to the quick hitters. Uh, five dinner guests dead or alive.
4: Five dinner guests that are alive or no, dead or alive? alive, dead or alive, dinner
3: table with you plus five.
4: Yeah. Well, my dad's there. Mm-hmm. You know, one of my favorite people in the world is in. Living here in Atlanta is Andrew Young. I'd love to have uh, love to have him be part of that. Mister um, Pete would be fun mm-hmm. to have there. Um, and I and I think that probably uh, um, I would like to I would like to have the Apostle Paul uh, mm-hmm. and just to hear about that journey and that walk and how that all happened. And uh, and uh, so how many is that? Four. four, that's four. One more. Abe Lincoln. Nice.
3: Wow. Nice. I like that.
0: All right, last question to finish four up. Five. Yes. Yeah. Last question to finish up. Who do you want to see on all the smoke? You have to, and hold up, before you answer, you have to help us get your answer on the show.
4: Oh, so it has to be somebody that Set I up. can help you Set with. Set up. Oh,
3: let's see. It sits to your far left sometimes. Or actually all the time.
4: Let's see. (laughs) Sports figure or anything? Anybody. Whoever you feel. Um, You know who you should have on your show? Who? P.J. Morton you should have on your show. P.J. Morton, keys for Maroon 5. Yeah. Oh, okay. And has won Grammys like the last two or three years. Yeah. And is one of the coolest dudes out there. Dope talk talk music it with them. Well talk life with them. we're coming for you pj, PJ morton and i'll help there you.
3: there you go we yeah, appreciate that. Make that, that there you we
4: go will, i will make, make that. that happen so thank you <laughs> well, ernie
3: again we want to thank you obviously give you your props again you're someone that's you know as players we don't respect many voices for people who haven't actually done what we've done and you are at the top of the list as far as players go and respect and appreciating the advice you give and the way you lead and the way you help so many people, man. So we just wanted to make sure we thank you for coming on the show today, but also for everything you do that you might not even realize you being you
4: helps everyone else with, yeah. so. I appreciate y'all. We appreciate Very that. much, man, I appreciate yeah. you asking and having me on. And yeah. uh, we got it good. Absolutely. We got it good.
3: Well, that's a wrap. The great Ernie Johnson.
4: Uh, you careful catch this. throwing that word around like, he's the legend, Stop. the legend, okay. the the legend. legend. Using any adjective. we, we use them it. on our show. <laughs> we know what you mean to us.
3: Yes. You can catch us on Showtime basketball, YouTube and the I heart platform black effects. We'll see y'all next week.
0: This is all a smoke, a production of the black effect and our radio in partnership with Showtime.
1: If you dare.
2: ATT t connects an ode to podcast. Connect the alarm, change the podcast you stream. Connect the snooze, 10 more minutes to dream. Connect the shower, lather up with the news, sports talk, comedians or movie reviews. Connect with that 3-hour philosophy show. Change the drive into work and traffic so slow. Connect the dishes to voices that glow.